First, we're going to read Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. So please follow along as I read. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as our servants, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Well, thanks, Corin, and good morning, everyone. My name is Cam Maxwell. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and it's great to be here. I've been able to look out and see what I, am, I imagine are all your smiling faces looking back at me. Uh, it's, yeah, it's lovely to be in the same room. Um, for the last few weeks, we've been covering the topic of uh, Christian mission. Uh, we started a few weeks back thinking at the really big picture um, that before we talk about our mission, we, we need to stop and just remember that we're, what we're talking about is really God's mission. God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and we, as his people, we get to be involved in the greatest project in history. Um, If we know the extent of Christ's love for us, uh, we are compelled by that love to go and get involved in some way uh, in the work of mission. Um, And we kind of thought about the priority of this mission a few weeks back, um, being reminded that really God's mission is priority one. Uh, Eternity hangs in the balance. Uh, Heaven and hell are at stake. And then last week, Matt, our senior pastor, took us through what mission looks like uh, together as a church, what we might call corporate mission. Uh, You may remember, if you were here, uh, the bit about a rescue team setting up on a beach after a big tsunami, all working together, doing our bit to reach those who need help. Uh, It's a sermon well worth listening to if you uh, missed it last week. It's online on our website. And so this morning, as we reach uh, the final week in our series, uh, we're getting to a question I've kind of deferred uh, all throughout the series. What does mission look like in my day-to-day life as a normal Christian? Um, I want to start with the assumption that we are all missionaries. Uh, That is, we are all involved in the work of God's mission if we are followers of Jesus. But what does that look like? 
Uh, that's what we're talking about today. And I guess before jumping in, I want to start by saying, if you're here today as someone who uh, is not a follower of Jesus, uh, firstly, welcome. Uh, it's so great to have you with us. Uh, we always want to be a church where anyone and everyone can feel warmly welcomed and cared for, no matter your background or history. Uh, so welcome today. Um, I'm conscious that today, as I'm talking about Christians trying to do what we can to convince those who are not Christian to become one, it might feel a bit like we're talking about you and you're here in the room. Uh, So I'm going to do my best to make it not weird for you as much as I can. Uh, But through it all, I I hope you see that um, we just really have a great sense of um, this is such an important thing. Uh, we just think it's, it's so important for everyone to have an opportunity to seriously and thoughtfully encounter Jesus and to hear the good news that we can, through Jesus, be reconciled to God and have eternal life. So as we cover all this content this morning, I hope that you uh, do feel uh, very encouraged to consider that. Well, um, when you hear people like myself get up and uh, use words like personal evangelism or sharing the gospel with friends or encouraging you to know, go out and uh, share Jesus with people you know, when you hear a preacher saying things like that, what's your reaction? Uh, what's your reaction? Uh, right, go share the good news. Like, okay. I think a lot of us, and I'll put myself in this category, I think a lot of us kind of have a bit of a mixed reaction to that kind of uh, personal evangelism topic. Because of course, uh, we do want our friends and our family to know and trust Jesus with their lives. We want that. And of course, we would love to help them get there, wouldn't we? We'd love to do what we can to, to get them to know and love Jesus. So, you know, I'm on board with that, but then you think about the reality, and the first question is, well, what do I do? How do I do that? What do I say? When do I say it? When do I say nothing? And what questions will they ask me, and how will I answer all those questions? Like, where do we even start is uh, perhaps where we go to. But there's another layer as well, isn't there? If if you've been involved in in trying to talk to people about Jesus, I'm sure all of us, to some degree, have had some discouraging or just even really bad experiences uh, just in how that's gone. And on top of all that, uh, if we're like the majority of Christians in Australia, we simply haven't seen someone close to us converted in our lifetime. That is, even if we try, we might just think, I don't think we're going to get results here. So, with all that in mind, I take great comfort from a guy called Rico Tice. Uh, Rico is a, a full-time evangelist. He works in a church in England. Uh, he's, he's great at his job, as far as I can understand, uh, as far as I know. Now, Rico, who's very good at being a full-time evangelist, I think this is such a comforting quote. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Uh, this is for you guys and for me. <laughs> I find evangelism hard, says Rico Tice. I find that comforting. It tells me I'm normal uh, if I find this difficult. So today, in one sermon, I don't think I'm going to be able to solve all our problems and resolve all our tensions with personal evangelism. Uh, I'm not going to make it super easy for all of us. I have a much more humble goal today, which is I hope to encourage us uh, to keep aspiring to grow in the way we do evangelism. Uh, And I just encourage us to perhaps all take just one or two steps, no matter where we're up to, one or two steps uh, to grow in the way we aspire uh, to, uh, to be evangelists. Um, I just want to sum, this all sums up really nicely in a conversation I was having with Jamie, one of the other pastors here a few weeks ago, and I'm sure this embarrasses Jamie, but I don't really care that much. It was really good. It's worth sharing. Uh, We're chatting about this, and uh, Jamie basically said, like, I don't think I'm an amazing evangelist, but I think I should want to be. Jamie said it in a way cooler way than that, but you know, I think he captured the idea of where we're heading today. Now, where I want to start then is actually where Matt sort of finished last week. 
uh, when we sort of explored what it means for a church to be on mission together. Uh, The idea last week uh, was that we all do our part in the life of the church and together we sort of reach out and we welcome and we disciple and serve uh, new people as they join our community. So I I suppose it's possible that we could uh, continue down that line of thinking a bit too far and perhaps think that, well, if our church is doing mission really well, if we're doing that well corporately, we might start to think, well, that's great. Uh, Evangelism is wonderful. I'm just glad that my church is doing that. I'm part of a church doing mission well. I find evangelism hard. I'm just really glad there are other people uh, who are doing evangelism. Uh, I, can, I can imagine getting there quite easily if you're at a church where mission seems to be going well. I sometimes think like that. The problem is, the picture the Bible paints is that both of these things need to happen. At the corporate mission of the church, working together, all doing our part, and each disciple in the mission uh, of just sharing Jesus in our day-to-day life. It's never a case of either or. We work together and there's overlap. See, occasionally uh, you might come across people who present as quite frustrated evangelists. Uh, they're, very, they're very good evangelists, very enthusiastic. They do a great job with evangelism. What they're frustrated by is actually church. Uh, church takes up a lot of energy, a lot of time. It might just feel like it's always getting in the way and taking them away from the front line of evangelism. Um, they want to be out Lone Ranger style, and you sort of, uh, that's, that's how they operate best. Uh, the problem is, and I'm sure these people quickly find that, well, not only is there no such thing as a solo Christian, there is a cer- certainly no such thing as a solo Christian evangelist kind of detached or having little to do with the local church. Evangelists, uh, those who are, are well equipped to do evangelism, uh, are best suited uh, to be part of life of the church. So, for instance, if you look through Scripture, you see uh, occasionally people described who seem to have uh, a title or a role, like evangelist, you know, think of capital E, evangelist. Uh, it seems that their main role or the main way they use their abilities and gifts uh, in the life of the church is to share the gospel. So, I'll put up on screen here, thanks, Anita, uh, Ephesians 4, we're told uh, that Christ gave, and the context here is his giving to the church, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, think capital E, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. That is, there are some people who are just really gifted in this area. People perhaps like uh, Rico Tice, the man I quoted from earlier. They kind of just seem to maybe find it hard, but they do have some kind of knack of just connecting well with people and in a winsome and uh, warm way in, in sharing the gospel. The thing is, with Ephesians here, the context is Christ doesn't give evangelists to the world. What Paul says is Christ gives evangelists to the church, to the church. So if we keep reading the rest of that sentence, verse 12 goes on, he gives the evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the job of the capital E, evangelist in the church, is not, would you believe, just to go and do all the evangelism, sharing the gospel, Uh, not by themselves. Their role here, as Paul describes it, is actually to equip the rest of us, to help us uh, talk about Jesus and to do some sort of evangelism in our own lives, even if we're not capital E evangelists, we all do evangelism. That is, there are people who are experts, and I'm sure uh, they would be doing evangelism in, say, public settings. I suspect that's kind of in mind. Uh, But the idea is they can help each of us get better in our day-to-day life sharing Jesus. 
And this, this week I came across an author who pointed out something I'd missed many times in the book of Acts. Uh, if you know Acts well, you perhaps know that one of the main storylines is kind of the rapid growth of the early church. And uh, it seems that one of the ways that happens is through you know, massive sermons delivered to thousands of people uh, by one of the apostles and thousands convert. Uh, that happens a few times. But what was pointed out to me was something I'd missed is that if you read through Acts, what we see is the normal way, the normal way that the church grows was with just normal, everyday believers uh, sharing the good news in their own networks. As you read through Acts, you sort of see that's the picture of normal church growth. So what I'm saying is that the Bible paints a picture where evangelism is something we do together as a church and something we can all do to some degree in our day-to-day lives. Now, some of us will be very good at doing that. Please help the rest of us, would be my uh, plea today. Um, The other thing I want to say is we want to have overlap between those two areas, sort of the personal evangelism and corporate church life. And so here as a church, we've put a lot of work into putting on events. Uh, We try and make Sunday gatherings like this, the kind of thing you can bring your friends to every week. Uh, We have a life course starting in in just a couple of weeks where, um, you know, if you're sharing Jesus with some friends or have some really tough questions... um, it's great to come and bring them along and have you know, an expert uh, take them through the core points of the gospel and to answer all their tricky questions. The thing with that is we put on these events, but it would be very odd, wouldn't it, if we just suddenly randomly invited someone to you know, life if we've never even talked to them about Jesus before. That's quite a, a jarring kind of step to make. The point is these things work together. Uh, the way we try and organise ourselves and our Sunday services, life, our events, they're all kind of pieces of the puzzle to help personal evangelism happen in our day-to-day life. So, as Christians, we are all involved in evangelism in some way. Not all of us are capital E evangelists. So what do we do then? What do we do then? Well, I want to take us through Colossians 4 and pick out a few key principles uh, that will help us all grow in this area of discipleship to Jesus. Uh, In Colossians chapter 4, our first reading today, the Apostle Paul uh, gives all of us something crucial that we can all do in the work of mission, which is to pray. Uh, Verse 3, Paul writes, Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. It's interesting, Paul is one of the great evangelists and uh, church planters in all history, but Paul knows the greatest evangelist and church planter is Jesus. It's Jesus. And so, we just ask Jesus to do that great work, to open doors, to let the message go out clearly through us. Now, this is something we can all do, isn't it? Uh, pray for those who are actively involved in perhaps publicly uh, proclaiming Jesus, the big E evangelists of, chapter, of Ephesians 4. One way we might do that is, uh, say, to sign up for the, news, uh, the Church Missionary Society, CMS, to sign up for their prayer points they send out monthly. It helps us pray specifically for those who are you know, often doing public evangelism or training others to do that. Or perhaps next time our church runs an event where uh, outsiders are coming in to, to you know, have meat and alcohol together and uh, hear a short talk, or uh, perhaps come to Life Course. Uh, there's often a three-minute spot or a ten-minute spot or an entire series where someone is proclaiming the gospel. We can pray for that, can't we? 
We set ourselves uh, the task of diligently and faithfully praying for those who are speaking and preparing. The door might be open for God's message to go out. Or perhaps you just know some friends, uh, people in your life who uh, are just natural gospel sharers. They just seem to have the knack of just talking to people about Jesus. Uh, We can pray for them. We can pray for the doors to continue to be open, uh, that they might share the gospel with many. So if you're not sure where to start, as we've gone you know, four weeks now through the topic of mission, if you're not sure where to start, uh, please start here. Uh, this is something we can all do. Pray for those who are sharing the gospel. But I also want to have a look at verse 5 and spend a bit more time here. Colossians 4, verse 5. Be wise. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, instructing someone to be wise, it sounds simple, but it's actually very, very hard to be wise, isn't it? Uh, wisdom is hard work. Uh, as far as I can make it out, wisdom involves, uh, I think, applying ourselves to just try and understand the world, how God has made it, how it works, uh, how cause and effect work, how people work. And then, once we've kind of got some understanding, a wise person acts accordingly. We've had a series in the book of Proverbs a couple of years back that I thought was really helpful taking us through uh, what wisdom looks like in our world. What wisdom means, though, is that uh, the way that we act wisely will look very different for all of us because our lives are so different to each other. What wisdom looks like, we're different in each situation. For instance, uh, the way that uh, we in Adelaide today would act wisely towards outsiders will look vastly different to how the Colossians did it 2,000 years ago, all kinds of culture and language kind of things that they have to contend with. Now, that's why I think a sermon on personal evangelism can really only do so much, uh, because what wisdom looks like will be different for each of us. I can't sort of pull a formula off a shelf or out of a book and say, right, just do these things and your friends will be uh, fine with Jesus. Like, imagine what it looks like to share Jesus wisely in a retirement home and think about how differently that is if you're one of our, our youth at high school. Poles apart. You both need to be wise, but the details will look so different. See, what we need to do, I think, is evaluate our culture, think carefully and thoughtfully, and then rethink what's going on in the world around us. I think a wise Christian keeps thinking about that, those things and then trying to work out how to interact accordingly. Australia has changed a huge amount in my lifetime, the 30-odd years, and I'm not sure we've caught up as a church to uh, what wisdom looks like in our interactions with the world. Uh, Churches and Christians, I think, have uh, typically relied on uh, forms of interacting with outsiders from 20, 30, even 10 years ago. It's all outdated in in many uh, situations. We need to keep thinking and not just keep doing things the same way. And I say that because largely, there are great exceptions, but largely, we don't see mission going particularly well around Australia. So I wonder if Paul's language here in Colossians 4, the language of being wise in the way we act to outsiders, if our goal is to be wise and to grow in our wisdom, I reckon that's something great we could aspire to. I think that will help us a long way in the way we do mission, if we start there, when just applying wisdom growing in our understanding of the world around us. That's a good goal, isn't it? Uh, Perhaps cultivating those habits of asking questions of those uh, who are not followers of Jesus. You know, what makes them tick? What do they hope for? What do they fear? 
just asking them about their life. Now, one of the reasons I say that is I think one of the big mistakes we can all make, and I've made this before many times, is thinking that sharing the gospel is just some kind of information transfer. Uh, that is, if we just tell people A, B, C, D, we're job done. Uh, now, it's true, of course, we need, need to communicate things. There is information we need to transmit. But there's far more to it than that. See, in Adelaide in 2021... I wouldn't suggest it's wise uh, way to act towards outsiders to you know, stand up on a bus and yell out, repent and believe in Jesus. Like, true, uh, people should do that, but is that a wise way to act? I, I don't think so. Perhaps in some cultures, in some times, that'd be a great thing to do. So I, I encourage us to keep thinking very carefully and take some shortcuts, actually. Um, there are some great research out there on culture, of course, and uh, some great people doing work on mission and evangelism, thinking about our culture and helping us be wise as we do that. So let me uh, just suggest a few kind of uh, opportunities for us, I think. Uh, Paul tells us to make the most of every opportunity, that is kind of optimising our time and our, and our energy, uh, to make friends with outsiders. So I want to um, just rattle off a few facts to help us take some shortcuts on this wisdom thing to uh, help us speed up a bit. Uh, first, uh, first thing to kind of mention is that by far... The most important process of conversions, the most important process in conversions in Australia, the most significant thing, is a significant personal relationship with a Christian. That's by far away the biggest factor in someone coming to Christ. I suspect that's the way it's always been, actually, but it's always good to have research backing up your hunches. Uh, the idea is it's not just information transfer. Uh, it happens in the context of relationship in nearly every case. Second thing... For people who have put their trust in Jesus in, in the West, it's taken them on average two years from when they first had a meaningful contact with a Christian who witnessed to them. Two years is how long that sort of process often takes. Uh, and that time span is getting longer with each passing year. This takes time to build a relationship and to talk through many, many topics and issues. Third thing to mention, uh, 60% of Australians report themselves as lonely. 60%. Uh, 80% say that loneliness is a problem in our world. Now, I'm sure you can see where this is all heading, right? And what does it look like to make the most of every opportunity? Well, it strikes me that uh, there are massive opportunities for people who are compelled by love to form meaningful relationships and friendships with people in our world who are very lonely, uh, very lost. And see, we live in a world that's uh, usually far too busy to actually get to know one another well, um, hospitality, you know, having people in our homes and just sharing a meal and sharing life with them, uh, statistically is just falling off a cliff uh, in our culture. I think Christians can really step into that and offer something that our world is missing. We have an incredible opportunity to optimise our life, our energy, our resources, to, to build these kind of relationships. Or as Jesus puts it, being shrewd, actually. He encourages us to be shrewd with our money, or, you know, I suppose our energy and our time to build relationships and to, to love people. That is not treating them as you know, projects to work on, uh, but just getting to know them, their fears, their hopes. And of course, getting ready to answer their questions, not with the perfect answers all the time, but just with humility and with grace, showing them kindness and, and compassion. Now, again, far easier said than done, I know. 
And speaking personally, I mean, I'm thinking about what kind of opportunities before me. Um, my colleagues here on the staff team at church, as far as I know, thoroughly converted. Uh, I have uh, three children, all younger than primary school age, so I'm not exactly swimming in social opportunities just to hang out with people at the moment. But this is challenging. It's challenging me to think through, how do I optimise my energy and my time? What does wisdom look like for me to not sort of retreat to a Christian bubble? How can I be shrewd in using my, my existing contacts and relationships well? It's going to be different for all of us. We'll have different challenges. That's my particular set of challenges at the moment. And I know there are many people here who are so thoughtful, so wise in the way you're going about it. It's so encouraging to hear the way that uh, many of you do interact so well with, uh, with non-believers. And so I hope this morning you're just really encouraged to keep going, uh, knowing it takes time, it's hard work uh, often, but it's also just a lot of fun. I also hope for, uh, for all of us, uh, whether we've uh, never talked, to Jesus, talked about Jesus much at all or... We're the kind of person who just chats you know, on, the, on, the, on the flight with the person next to you about Jesus all the way. Uh, wherever you sit on that kind of spectrum, I hope all of us are encouraged by Paul's words to just keep aspiring to grow in wisdom and to make the most of every opportunity. So I think to grow in wisdom, we're going to need to actually help each other. Um, you can't rely on a sermon with me giving you a formula, like I said. Because the details of our lives are so different, and so we need to talk about them and share our experiences and, and work out what's going to work. I'd argue community groups are the perfect place to kind of just wisely think about how to interact well and, and um, yeah, think about the specifics and what's practical, what works. Another way I'd suggest to rapidly grow in wisdom is to learn from some of the best in the business, some of those capital E evangelists. Some of them have written brilliant books, so we could read one. Um, I'll mention two books today. Um, these, are, if you know, these are some of the best, I think, going around. And I'll actually send out details for how to purchase your very own copy in the weekly email this week. Um, both of these books I mentioned are just packed full of wisdom. There's some practical ideas and tips for people who are just doing this day to day. I'd argue if you can try and squeeze in one Christian book in a year, make it one of these. And look how, look how thin they are. You can get through that pretty quickly, right? Uh, even if you're a slow reader. Now, the first one here uh, is called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. You know what he means. Um, this is excellent. Sam Chan, he's, he's Aussie for a start, so he gets culture and he's practicing, he's working hard in evangelism, he's thinking hard about how to do this in his own life with his neighbours. Uh, the book is basically him giving us eight tips on how to talk to your friends about Jesus. That's it. Uh, but it's brilliant. And if you're going to read one book that's uh, got some helpful wisdom in it this year, I'd argue make it that one. Uh, it's an excellent book. Uh, I've already mentioned Rico Tice for the second book, uh, Honest Evangelism, How to Talk About Jesus Even When It's Tough. Um, this is also excellent. And uh, some of you will have that. I think already we gave it out to many people a few years back. Some of you might have read it. Some of you have been meaning to read it. Let me encourage you to finally get there and pick it up. Also very short uh, and very easy to read. Um, Rico is very, very strong on especially how do you just make uh, the gospel uh, clear to people who've never really thought much about it before. Christ has given the church evangelists like Rico uh, and Sam, so let's be equipped by them. Uh, but where I want to finish today and to finish our series uh, is to help set our expectations about the work of evangelism. Uh, because it's hard and it's often time-consuming and sometimes awkward, and so I think it will help us all to set out with really healthy expectations about what's involved. And ultimately, our expectations are built on what God tells us. So, in our second reading today, in 2 Corinthians 4, which you'll have in the uh, little handout there, uh, let me read from verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, the God of this age uh, that Paul's referring to, you would notice there it's little g, um, small g. He's not talking about God. Uh, he's talking kind of ironically, I think, about uh, who it is that's doing spiritual blinding. He's talking about Satan, uh, the God of this age. Which I want to point out, because it will often feel like the gospel is falling on deaf ears as we try and share it. People just don't seem to get it or really care. Or not deaf ears so much here, but blind eyes. There is a spiritual blindness. That tells us if, you know, we're not going great, we're not seeing great results, don't worry, it's not us. I mean, it might be, but it's probably not us. That is, if we're, if we're prayerful and we're being wise and we're just sharing the gospel, people who are blind, they, they won't be able to get it until that issue is fixed and we can't fix spiritual blindness. But we do know someone who can. So you see how Paul continues here in verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light, the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Do you see what he's saying here? Um, The only reason any of us get to grasp the gospel at all is because God has been kind enough to speak light into darkness and to reveal Jesus to us. The point is, if he can do it for us, he can do it for anyone. And so, the crucial step to take, uh, whether you're all lost at sea on evangelism or whether you're some kind of black belt ninja evangelist, wherever you sit, we should all be calling out on God uh, in prayer to shine the light of truth into the hearts of those we know and love. Uh, The mission team here at church have been working on some ideas on how to help us all grow in that area, and we'll hear from uh, one of the mission team in a moment. I want to say, as we pray, I think we should have great optimism that God will answer those prayers and and save people. Now, I say that partly maybe because uh, maybe we see that the world around us um, does have more and more disillusioned people in it. Disillusioned with materialism and consumerism and secularism. People who are lonely, unfulfilled and uh, just realising that there's not much hope in the secular world for them. I think we are starting to see the cracks in the world around us starting to show. It's being exposed to be futile and empty. I think that, and and, uh, Rico Tyson certainly does as well, and I think we might be entering into sort of countless opportunities to see a whole generation of Australians uh, desperate to hear a better story that we get to share with them. Now, I have optimism about that. I genuinely do. That could be the next 20 years here in Australia. I'm excited by that thought of mission. But I can't guarantee that, can I? I can't guarantee it here in our own sort of pockets or our own sort of lives. What I can guarantee, and I think the real basis for our optimism, and what is 100% guaranteed from God himself, is that he is calling people. He's calling people to himself. And so as we pray and as we seek to be wise, God will help us and use us, yes, even us, even us, to reconcile people to himself. Isn't that exciting? Uh, In 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on in verse 7. But we have this treasure, the gospel, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have something so powerful and so precious, don't we? It's a message that's changed, literally changed the world. It's changed countless lives. But sometimes, I know I do, we kind of focus a bit too much on being jars of clay that carry this precious thing. 
You know, we're too aware of how unimpressive we are and that we're not very persuasive and a bit awkward. And so to finish our time in a series on mission, and one final thought or one piece of wisdom I picked up from Sam Chan's excellent book. You'll get the details during the week. Something I picked up is, well, sometimes we do get that bit of extra motivation. To, All right, I'm going to go out, I'm going to share the gospel, I'm going to talk to my friends, I'm finally going to do it. All right, here we go. We can do that, but make it a bit like a New Year's resolution. You know what I mean, though. Uh, New Year's resolution, decide to do something, start doing it a few weeks later, sort of fade back to where you were. Uh, I think we can do that sometimes with evangelism. What Sam Chan argues, and what I've been challenged by, and I want to leave with everyone here to be challenged by, is to just find ways to incorporate ongoing growth in the way we do evangelism. We might be starting from basically nowhere, that's fine. Just work out what the next step is, and then do it. He argues not just for resolution, but a lifestyle where we're continually just working on and trying to grow and aspiring to get better at this. Just keep working out what the next step is and then doing it, not trying to you know, go home today and try and convert all your friends in a week. Just working out day-to-day lives, just things that will help us grow in our wisdom on how to interact. Just keep being intentional, talking to each other here at church or in community groups about you know, how evangelism is going in your life. Perhaps have some accountability built into our lifestyle. Just keep going on the work of cultivating and forming and uh, yeah, maturing genuine relationships with those outside the church, with grace and humility, helping them know more about Jesus. I think a lifestyle growing in this area is something we can really help each other in. And most of all, being compelled by Christ's love, we can each take great joy at being Christ's ambassadors. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks, extraordinary thanks for your grace and your mercy in the way you have set out to reconcile the world to yourself in Jesus. Thank you for the incredible amount of love you have shown each one of us. You've shone light into darkness and through the cross of Jesus we have hope for eternity. And so we thank you and we praise you for this good news, this gospel. This gospel that brings salvation to all who believe. And so then, please help us, uh, each of us with our different circumstances and personalities and strengths and weaknesses and all our different opportunities or insecurities. Through it all, please help each one of us grow in the way that we're wise as we act towards outsiders. Please equip uh, each one of us to answer about the hope we have in your son, Jesus. And please, we ask that you would do a great work through your people and bring salvation to many. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.